Welcome to On Texas Football slash Basketball this week. Uh, March Madness upon us. St. Patrick's Day as well. I uh, hope you're wearing some green. I look like I'm the only one in the picture that's got any on. So uh, Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of Inside Texas are going to have to uh, have their own issues with that. Uh, but we're going to talk a little Texas football, a little Texas basketball, uh, recruiting as well uh, in this Longhorn live stream every Friday uh, at 1 p.m. Uh, Jerry, just uh, Jerry and Ian, how did it go this week without me? Uh, I'm rested and ready. <laughs> well, Ian and I talked ourselves for an hour, uh, which was uh, odd. Uh, Justin had computer issues. So Ian and I literally had a conversation amongst ourselves for an hour. Um, I thought we did pretty well. <laughs> Good. Well, we're going to be taking people's questions and, and whatnot today. Uh, talk a little hoops. Uh, just a real quick, if our uh, uh, producer, Matt Hutchison, will put up the, uh, the uh, bracket for us to show where Texas is currently in the bracket. Uh, Texas beating Colgate by 20 last night. Uh, just an absolute storm from the outside. Sir Jabari Rice went off. Uh, Penn State easily handling uh, the Aggies at Texas A&M, uh, nullifying any chance of a uh, Texas-Texas A&M second-round matchup that we all thought the gods were uh, trying to put, up, put upon us, right? Uh, Penn State was going to have none of that. In uh, the other side of the draw, uh, to get to the uh, Elite Eight, at least, uh, or excuse me, to the final, uh, yeah, to the Elite Eight, uh, Iowa State plays Pitt. Xavier is currently losing to Kennesaw State. Xavier down by lost 13. By 13. Yeah. Xavier lost one of their starters, Jerry. What, what's the deal with that? Well, uh, free, uh, Zach Fremantle, uh, a power forward who averaged 15 and 8. Uh, he missed that last nine, 10 games, and that's why they didn't win the Big East. And uh, that that's a big loss. You can't replace a guy like that. He averaged 16 and nine the year before, I believe, uh, on Xavier's Elite Eight team. So that's a tough loss because he's a back-to-the-basket player, but then he could also space the floor. He shot the three well. That really is a tough loss. You just can't replace an all-conference-level player. I mean, it's the same thing that Houston's going to deal with if Marcus Sasser can't go. You bet. I mean, Sasser's an All-America, but even you just can't replace the all-conference level players. I mean, you just you don't have that type of depth at the, at, the, at this level. So, uh, but also what it does within the offense, defense uh, for Xavier, that was, it was a pretty big loss for them. And um, you know, still they shouldn't lose this Kennesaw State by 15 today or something. But that's a big loss. And you know what? Look, this this bracket is really impacted by injuries. Sasser's injuries. You know, Jamal Shedd's got a little knee issue, too. So neither one of Houston's all-conference and all-American guards are healthy right now. Um, and then you know Auburn's going to come at them with just waves and waves and just try to be as physical as they can while playing fast uh, tomorrow in Birmingham, which will be a home game for Auburn. But I was uh, Miami's big is going to play today versus Drake. He got hurt in the second trip down against Duke in the semifinals of ACC tournament. He's a double-double guy. Uh, so that's good news for Miami. Uh, Pittsburgh's big, didn't even play against Mississippi State, and they still won that game. We'll see if he plays against Iowa State. Iowa State obviously is, doesn't have their full uh, roster where they started the season with. So, look, things are – I've kind of been saying if Texas can get past that round, the 32 game, I felt pretty good about getting to the Elite Eight. Um, and tomorrow's going to be a really big test. It's going to be a fun game. I don't know if it's going to be fun for Texas fans to watch all the time, but it's going to be a fun college basketball game. Yeah, I, I get the feeling that, uh, you know, Texas 
yesterday kind of reversed course uh, over the season. It was, uh, you know, Colgate came into the game, the one that had the best shooting three-point shooting percentage in the country. Uh, Texas and Jabari Rice go out there and just, you know, knock them down. What what do you think was the biggest contributor to that, the success for the Longhorns? Was it the fact that that basically Colgate wasn't really guarding them when they were taking these threes? I mean, it looked like Colgate was just saying, yeah, take it. We'll see if you can make it. Look, Col- uh, I wrote about on Inside Texas, Colgate had no choice in the game. They, their bigs are slow-footed, non-athletic, below-the-rim type of players. They can't hard hedge. They can't switch on ball screens. So Colgate did, I think, the smart thing. They were going to make Texas knock down some threes because, look, I mean, if that's the way if, – if you're a mid-major and you're playing against the University of Texas, you're going to say, I, I, I can't guard a man and hedge on ball screens if I don't have the bigs to do it. So we got to make those guys make 22, 23-footers because, you know, they're a 34% team. Now, I've been telling people all year – the six guys that shoot the threes for Texas actually are shooting 36 and a half. So people can look at that team three-point percentage, but that's not indicative of the guys who are going to shoot them when it counts. Uh, but you never think Jabari Rice is going to go seven to ten. You don't think Texas is going to make seven of their first nine. I mean, Texas hasn't shot the ball that well since Gonzaga, honestly, in early in a game against a really quality opponent. They had some good games at the Moody, but that was that was reminiscent of the Gonzaga game in a lot of ways how well they shot against a quality opponent. But now look, they had three guys that shot threes yesterday. Hunter, Carr, Rice. They went 13 to 23. Well, I thought Disu, you know, Colgate played off of Disu. They wanted him. And I knew they were going to do this. They wanted him to take threes so he wasn't in the paint. And Disu played smart. He didn't do it. He didn't take the bait. He did not shoot a three yesterday. He passed up seven, eight perimeter shots. I thought Timmy Allen played really good because he didn't force shots yesterday. I, if Timmy Allen doesn't force shots and he's a facilitator and Brock Cunningham passes the ball like he does, that's when Texas kind of plays their best offensive basketball. So um, Colgate did what they should have done to start the game. But, you know, when somebody hits seven to nine threes, then you're behind the eight ball a little bit. And that's what happened. Uh, but I'll, I'm here to say, I mean, I the, the threes mass the game, which is great. Texas played bad in transition on offense. I mean, they they could have iced that game way earlier. They could have won that game. They could have been up 20, 22 points way earlier in that game. They just didn't play well in transition. So you win by 20, didn't play your best ball. Um, I think it'll be interesting because uh, they're going to have to get to the free throw line, I think, Saturday. Uh, they, don't, they do not need to get into a three-point shooting contest with Penn State. That is not a winning strategy. They, they need to make Penn State guard them off the dribble, and they need to get to the free throw line. Uh, and force Penn State, to, those guards, to really guard. Because what you don't want to have happen is Funk rests his legs on defense. You want to make – the ball needs to move. Guys need to attack off the dribble tomorrow and make these guys guard. Uh, look at this. Uh, the one thing you mentioned, the, the problems in transition, Marcus Carr with five turnovers. He had three in a two-minute uh, stanza in the second half that, that uh, got the score back within 10 at one point. Uh, the uh, former point guard now off guard because Tyrese Hunter. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that that goes the rest of the year. Uh, before we get going too much further, Ian, I want to bring you in, talk to you a little bit on football. But before we do that, uh, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you 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 can make or your schedule in general. Call Andy; he will take you through a process to help find a business for everyone. 
Uh, it will meet your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership, however, isn't for everyone. But email Andy at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, your destiny is in your hands. Call Andy or email him again at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, Ian, um, I haven't got a chance to talk to you since I went on vacation. Uh, your biggest revelation or biggest thought that, that you have in your head following week one of spring practice for the Longhorns in football? I think the um, just the sort of intrigue on the offensive line seems to be one of the biggest storylines. They have all these young, talented guys, and you could make a case for uh, maybe three different sophomores that didn't play a lot last year cracking into the rotation. You could see Cam Williams starting somewhere. Um, you could see, uh, obviously, DJ Campbell, sort of the expectation. I saw a clinic clip rolling around of Kyle Flood, and he mentioned that his impressions of DJ Campbell as a freshman in the clinic was that he was going to be an All-American at some point once he'd cleaned up some things. And then Neto uh, Umeo Zulu, obviously, was making waves, showed up enormous and in shape. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Which of those guys is the, you know, is one of those guys one of the five best? Is two of those guys maybe amongst the five best by the end of the year? So um, there's so many different ways the offensive line could shake out. And I think that really matters because obviously you want to protect Quinn Ewers well. They did that pretty well last year, but they need to do it even better this year. But then you need the offensive line to step up for whoever takes over at running back, which is still unclear as well. So those guys, they need to be good. They could be really good. And what it looks like and how it shapes up, I think, is one of the more interesting storylines. Jerry, you agree with that assessment of the OL? Yeah, I, I, that's uh, Ian and I talked about that earlier this week. I thought the first when I walked out there Wednesday, my well, I, I noticed two things. This an offensive line was the second thing. They looked like an SEC offensive line size wise, and I don't mean just the starting five. I mean the whole way through. I mean that that is. I haven't seen that many big bodies on on the Texas offensive line ever. Uh, doesn't mean they're as good as the national championship group. That guy, that team was had, was full of pros on the offensive line. Um, but Texas is where they're they're headed where they want to be, and that's in terms of large humans like Kyle Flood and uh, Steve Sarkeesian say. But they're more than that. They're guys with good feet. Um, it's one thing to recruit big guys. It's another thing to recruit big guys with good feet. Uh, and I, I could see a scenario where Texas feels very comfortable with eight or nine guys on the field at any time next season on the offensive line. I think they're getting to that point. Is it is it uh, a possibility any of the young freshmen really have a chance to break into that, whether it's uh, Connor Stroh, Peyton Kirkland, uh, you know, those guys? I don't see that. I, I don't know what Ian thinks. I don't see that. I, I think, uh, look, the only way that could happen is if Connor Robertson has a lingering shoulder issue, Cole Hudson, if those guys have lingering issues, maybe a Connor Stroh has to play as a backup guard at some point. Uh, but now I just don't think so. I think it perfectly sets up for those guys to redshirt, uh, really develop. I mean, 
you know, Connor Stroh's in really good shape. Um, but still, I, I think a redshirt year. Jaden Chapman's got to get stronger, gain weight. Andre Kojo's 16 years old still. I mean, he 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 wasn't brought in to be a guy that, to play early, obviously. So I think I think all those guys have time, and I think that's the best thing for this program is those guys have time. I think that was kind of the plan and the, the nature, the sort of guys that they picked in the class are all guys that red shirt playing three, four years from now because the previous class was so loaded. It took a lot of numbers and it's like, how are you taking so many guys when you just took so many the year before? But then you look at their developmental timelines, like Jerry's saying, and it makes more sense. It's like, oh, these guys are, these guys are laying the base for the future. Last year's class was immediate patches. I want to go ahead and say, uh, go with our uh, weekly, uh, our weekly uh, trivia question sponsored by Last Stand Hats. Uh, this one I did not ask the guys earlier than this, uh, but uh, this promotion brought to you by LastStandHats.com. Uh, you get use the code Bobby10 for 10% off uh, all the Longhorn hats uh, and all of their inventory. They also have some cool polos in there uh, as well. If you're interested, give them a look at LastStandHats.com. Uh, I want to give you this trivia question, see if anybody gets it right, uh, and uh, we'll highlight the person who gets it right first. How many times has the Texas men's basketball team been to the NCAA Final Four? How many times? And I'm going to say in the last hundred years. Jerry, Jerry, Ian, either of you? I'll answer it after somebody else does. I know it. Oh, you know it. Okay. I think I know what it is, but I'm I'm really only guessing because my NBA basketball Sorry, my uh, college basketball fandom started in uh, like 2003. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I was in there long enough to watch the whole TJ Ford saga from beginning to end. So, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, All right. Here, like, here's the right answer from Will yeah. B 1943, I think. 1943. Yeah. 1943-47-2003. He lost in the Elite Eight in 90. Yeah, and I was at that game. Travis Mays hit the rim on a last-desperation three-pointer to tie Arkansas before the Razorbacks went to the – Hey, B
Penn State in 16 games against NCAA tournament teams is averaging nine and a half turnovers a game. That's a, an unbelievable number. Pickett just doesn't turn the ball over. He has that old school game. He wants to back you down, kind of like 80s, 90s NBA uh, style game. Uh, but he's Adrian seen, Dantley. <laughs> yeah, he sees the cross court pass so well. He's so accurate. He's like a great quarterback. I mean, he makes he makes the throws down the field or across the court with extreme accuracy and really good timing. Uh, so it's going to be interesting how Texas attacks him defensively. You know, you got to think Timmy Allen to start. I mean, because Pickett's not going to blow by you. Penn State doesn't have any guys in the starting lineup that blow by you. Uh, but it's an NBA-style offense. Micah Shrewsbury's from the Brad Stevens coaching tree. He's got an extremely bright future. Um, but, they, the you know, it's a hidden one, too, is – is, is Carmen Winter, uh, the other point guard on that team, he is really good creating for others as well. So Texas doesn't have to guard one guy. They have to guard two guys. And you can't leave either one of those guys either. I mean, this to me, like Colgate was the number one three-point shooting team in the country. Penn State's the most dangerous three-point shooting team in the country. In the 16 games against NCAA tournament teams, they're 11-5 and five now after the win last night, by the way. And they've averaged 10 three-point makes at 40, almost 41% in those games against NCAA tournament teams. So, so they're going to have four guys all well, times 36 or more from three. You can't – you have to face guard. You can't double off. Jerry, why did they come in ranked so low then? They were – okay, so they had guys transferred in. They were one in seven in their first eight road games of the season. And they were only 10 and 10 in the Big 12. And they were on the bubble – until right that end of the season, they they beat they beat Illinois three times this year, by the way. But Illinois wasn't the same team Texas played because the freshman point guard Sky Clark walked out after 13 games. But um, they won. They beat Illinois. Then they ended the regular season with a win at Northwestern in overtime, Maryland at home, and then they went to the finals of the Big Ten tournament. I, they're better than a 10 seed team, but early in the season they didn't play like it at all. Um, uh, those guys really came together and kind of started playing better later in the season. Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, Coach Shrewsbury, I, I was watching his post-game press conference. He was going to say about Texas. They didn't really start posting up Pickett until a little bit later in the season. So they've kind of – he's done a good job adapting to his talent, really maximizing these guys. But the, the reason they're dangerous, if Texas was playing them in December or January, I, I don't think it would have been that big a deal because they don't rebound the ball well. They don't score inside of eight feet. But what they have now is confidence. I mean, they have supreme confidence right now. I mean, they're only they their last six games they played all against NCAA tournament teams dating back to the Big Ten. They're five and one in those games. They lost to Purdue 67-65 in the Big Ten final. Uh, and Purdue dominates them on the boards, but they still kept it close. So there, there you can see the end of the season for them. Uh, you know, look, their losses are their losses, their Rutgers. ACL injury, else they're a tournament team, right? I mean, Maryland tournament team, Wisconsin NIT team, right on the bubble. Their bad loss in, in Big 12 was at Nebraska. People lose on the road. Uh, Purdue handles them. Purdue's a tough matchup for Penn State, but everywhere else they shoot the ball so well. Um, and, and it's not like a fluky thing for people that hadn't seen Penn State play. They didn't just have a hot game against AM. I mean, they did, but they shoot 41% against NCAA tournament teams. So it's good. They're a tough matchup because Pickett won. You want to be able to double off. You want to be able to double him and get the ball out of his hands, but you can't do it. You can't leave Funk. You can't leave uh, 
Winter, you can't leave Lundy, you can't leave a Dread off the bench. I mean, they have five guys that make threes. And Bobby, Ian, I don't know if y'all have looked at it. Their five guards I just mentioned, they played 713 college basketball games. They average 143 games per player. They got more super seniors than Texas does. Bobby, sorry, Jerry, who who does Texas put on picket? Is That's that a tough one. I, I, I think Allen. Um, I think Allen physically can guard him. I think Jabari Rice, but the problem is you don't want Carr getting in foul trouble. Like I like what Carr Kansas did or Texas did against Kansas. Carr face guards Grady Dick. He's not going to get in foul trouble. Now Funk moves more than Grady Dick does or did in that game, but I don't want Carr on picket. I don't want him in foul trouble early in this game. And when Rice comes in, you don't want him to get two early ones either. So I think you're going to have to bring multiple guys. You got to change it up on him. Um, but I think Timmy Allen, if the st- in the starting five, he's got to be the guy to guard him. I don't know who else you're going to put on it. Interesting. Uh, all right. Going to get to you guys' questions now in this next segment. But first, we need to say thank you to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify further by finding you a business that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. I did it myself. Uh, That's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net or 404-973-9901. We appreciate Andy and his uh, continued support of On Texas Football and Inside Texas as well. A good friend of the program. Uh, All right. uh, Let's get to a a couple of questions here and and try to uh, get out, get going through some of this uh, and see what what you guys have uh, in thoughts. First, let's start with uh, Joel McWaters. uh, Which will be better than the other this coming season? Pass defense or the run defense? Ian? This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Run run defense unless we know if they can solve for the for the pass rush issue which i heard about this week with the blitz package um if they find good answers there then the pass defense could be really good but if that takes a minute to materialize or they got to shuffle through some young edges before they find the right combination the run defense should be good out the gate especially it was good last year bringing back a lot of the most important pieces and then you add Catalan at boundary safety, it, it should be immediately good. So uh, what, what was interesting to me, and this is, this is, a, you know, when I think about this question, it's not the secondary that won't make the pass defense as good as last year. It's the pass rush. Yeah. And similarly, you just said run defense. And instead of pointing to the guys up front, you pointed to a safety as being, as being a guy in run defense. So it's not necessarily the why. Uh, you know, you would say pass defense is all secondary. Well, that's not why you rated them that way. You'd think the run defense is because of the front seven primarily. Well, that's not the reason you you uh, rated them that way either. 
Uh, that's yeah. just interesting note. Yeah, I, I think run. I agree with Ian. I think run defense because I think Texas' strength is up the middle defensively. I think the interior defensive line, Jalen Ford, safeties with four, uh, with Catalan being added in there. Barron, what his second most, he, he was behind Jaron Thompson tackles in the secondary. I think they're. Um, I think Texas is really strong up the middle against the run next year. They, Got it. they could be better on the edges too. Uh, yeah. If Finkley starts at Buck for a go-through, they're actually getting better at that spot. Sorrell is probably better than he was a year before. You're better at that spot. Defensive tackle, we don't really know, but it probably won't be significantly worse. So, it, yeah, to your point, they, it looks just steady everywhere, except for maybe Will. Joel, thanks for the question, bud. Um, oh, I just didn't mention that. I saw something on Sorrell. Uh, Jay, the activist, thanks for the super chat, bud. Uh, over under eight sacks for Sorrell. Um, Ian, you're the you're the numbers prognosticator here. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wish he gave me seven and a half. <laughs> I, I like eight, so I don't really want to. I, I feel like I'm going to get a push there. I don't want to go over eight. I feel like six to nine is probably what we'll get unless unless somebody else has a really good season and then they you know the floodgates open because teams can't guard everybody and so guys just start running free. So, uh, yeah, I probably, probably under would be the safer bet. Gotcha. I'd take the under. I, I, yeah, based on what I saw, I think he's, he's improved. I think his body's maturing. I think all those things are happening. I still think he's not a natural pass rush guy. Um, you know what I mean? That's not necessarily his strength. Uh, six and a half, seven. I, if it were, if it were seven, I would, I would not, I would not do that. Over under of eight, I would take the under at this point. Um, all right. Question for Jerry. Thanks, Jay. Um, there is a young man committed to LSU who is visiting Texas on the 25th. Any chance of him landing at Texas? This is from a Dodgers fan. Jerry, I'm sure you know who they're talking about here. Well, yeah, wide receiver committed uh, to LSU. But look, March 25th is – that. This is, uh, this is the best way I can put this. This is a getting-to-know junior day visit for some of these out-of-state kids. A lot of these kids haven't been on campus before. Um, so te- there's a reason – like one of the questions inside Texas this week was, when's Texas going to get their third commitment? Well, I was like, well, Texas isn't pushing for commitments. They could have six or seven right now, but it's not the six or seven they ideally want. But this March 25th junior day, there's a lot out-of-state kids coming, scheduled to be in for unofficial visits. First time they've been to Austin or first time in, since they were younger they've been to Austin. Uh, so this is really the getting to know uh, portion of this process. Then you'll know if Texas feels like they have a really good shot to set some of these kids up for June official visits. Because like Terrence Hibbler, defensive lineman from Mississippi, he's coming in on the 25th. TJ Lindsey from Arkansas coming in on the 25th. Charleston Collins has told Texas he's coming in on the 25th. Three defensive linemen. Well, which of those guys are gonna they're gonna set up for a June official visit? That's gonna tell you who they think they have a real shot at here. Uh, so this is the first part of the process. So any chance of him landing at Texas, we don't know that yet. Uh, honest answer, we don't know that yet. We're gonna see after these visits what we're hearing, how Texas is feeling about these kids, and who they then begin to start setting up for June official visits. That's gonna tell you who Texas thinks they have a really good shot at because these kids, seventy five percent of these kids are gonna decide before their senior seasons. This is the Longhorn live stream. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com. Uh, we are taking your questions right now. Please 
uh, get those in the queue and we'll get to them as quickly as possible. Jerry, I'm going to stay with you because he's asking for you. Right of Spring wants to know, Jerry, anything that thinks that makes you think will play well against Penn State on Saturday? Oh, I, I think Texas will play well. I, I think they have win. They have winning DNA. They have winning belief. I mean, Jabari Rice is Rashawn Johnson on the basketball court for me. I think he's an unbelievable leader. Um, I think Tyrese Hunter is a really good leader. He may have not played as well. He's had battled through some injuries. Uh, he really took the the Chris Beard loss tougher than the rest of the guys. But he's a great leader. Um, and look, Texas has a lot of experience. I mean, people have to remember. Uh, Tyrese Hunter played in the Sweet 16. Christian Bishop's played in the Sweet 16. Jabari Rice, Carr, Brock, they all played in the round of 32. Disu played in the round of 32 games last year. Um, this is a team that I, I, I hate to use the words they use, but it's true. They're a connected group. They're going to play well. Now, how many threes are going to fall? I can't predict that. They're not going to go 13 and 23 again. If they do, then Penn State's uh, just SOL. Uh, but I think Texas is going to play well. Uh, I think they're going to prepare team. I think they're a team that plays for each other and plays together, and they compete for 40 minutes. You never question how hard the Texas team plays. They're going to play well. It's going to come down to two, two things offensively for me. I've said they need to hit seven, eight threes each of these first two games. They went was zipped right past that. Uh, but they need to hit seven, eight threes, but then they need to get to the free throw line. Because if they get to the free throw line against Penn State, that means they're – the, the guards are attacking Penn State's guards. Um, and I really think that's going to be big tomorrow because Penn State shoots the ball so well, you have to make them work on the other end. If you don't make them work uh, and move their feet on the other end, the ball's got to move, the players have to move, and then you got to attack off the dribble. If, if you can do that against Penn State, I think Texas will have some a lot of success. I, I think they got to score 74, 76 points tomorrow to win the game. All right. Thanks for the question, Right of Spring. Uh, is Texas going to take a look at Wichita State guard Jaquan Walton for next season? Uh, ostensibly, this is for the uh, transfer portal, Jerry. Yeah, just no way to know right now. We have to find – we have to get through this season. Um, look, I know kids are reaching out to Texas that are jumping in the portal. Um, that's going to happen. I mean, Texas – look, if RT gets the job, Texas is set up to do well in the portal because they've had guys who've transferred in and they're winning awards. I mean, it's, you know, Marcus Carr's an all-Big 12 player. Jabari Rice may be the sixth man of the year in the country. Uh, all these guys who have transferred in, people are seeing Disu's success now that he's healthy. And you, you think about last year. It's such a fine line. If Disu, this Disu was on Texas team last year, I don't think they lose to Purdue, by the way. I, I just don't because they, that would have been something for Trevion Williams to deal with. He didn't have to deal with in that game, and that would have made Texas a better team, obviously. But, uh, look, Texas is set up in the portal because those guys are having success. You know, if you make a run, sweet – I've said all along, if Texas can get to the Sweet 16, I think they're getting to the Elite Eight. I, I just do. Um, I think this is a big hurdle game for them coming up. Uh, but the kids are having success that have been in the portal. Uh, they're smiling. They're having a good time playing at Texas. Uh, people are seeing the Moody Center and everything that comes along with playing at Texas. They're set up. Who those guys are going to be, we can't answer that question until we know – if Rodney Terry's the full-time head coach or if they're going to have a coaching search. That's what I can say. Yeah, interesting to me, uh, you mentioned Rodney Terry. Um, the other thing about him is he seems to be good at recruiting. Um, and, and so it's not like it's going to, you know, it's not going to take a step backward from that uh, situation, uh, even in the portal, transfer portal, you would think, unless that's just a totally different way of recruiting. But I'm sure he was part of, recruiting these uh guard what what wasn't he a key in the 
Tyrese Hunter recruitment? Well, um, well, Jabari Rice because he coached against him at, at UTEP in the in the league, so he knew Jabari really well. Uh, like uh, Rodney Terry and Donawald were very key in the portal recruiting. They would bring the players, and this is their job. That's why they're hired by Beard. They had the same vision. They brought the players to Beard. Said we need to take a look at this guy. This guy would be a good fit playing for you. And I think that's the the number one job of these assistants, right? I mean, is uh, you know, and I think they kind of. That's why there was a little bit of staff change there between year one and two, because some of the guys that were pushed on Texas in recruiting weren't necessarily Chris Beard guys. And I think Rodney had such, and that's why he was named the associate head coach, had such a great feel. And Donald, obviously working for Beard, of who fits Beard's style. So now if Rodney Terry's named the head coach, he's going to play pretty fast. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I think they may go. They will go a little more developmental high school big, but then also take a portal big. Um, but I think Rodney's going to uh, recruit some. Uh, he's going to attempt to recruit guys to shoot the ball um, uh, uh, at a little higher rate versus locking down and sitting your butt down a defensive stance for forty minutes. You're going to play hard on defense, but I think he's going to value a little different shooting in recruiting. All right, this is from uh, Slap Richard. May have missed it last week, but did the guys that participated in Pro Day earn themselves some money? Any late-round undrafted free agents coming out this year? Um, long story short, De Deshaun Jameson came in about what he was expected, uh, ran about what was expected. I'm not sure he helped or hurt himself. He's not very big. Uh, even though he does play, uh, he can do the, be, a, be a factor in the return game. Uh, Anthony Cook, I, I don't see that. I think he's going to be an undrafted free agent no matter what. Uh, if anybody helped themselves, and this is based on what I heard, it's Jalil Billingsley. Uh, and the reason why is because Jalil Billingsley always looks good when he's out there playing against air, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and so he just athletic, big guy that can run really well for his size. If anybody did anything in that regard, I think it's Jalil Billingsley. Uh, you know, what value there is to that is a, is a different story. By the way, Xavier's up two on Kennesaw State under four timeout now. Yep, gotcha. Hey, uh, uh, do we think any, and this is the longest torn, do we think any of the later enrollees contribute this year? I was looking at the, this list, um, Ian in uh, uh, Jerry. Um, I don't, I mean, of the group, it's Derek Williams. Maybe. Safety, Ryan Niblett, doubtful, the wide receiver. Right. Jelani McDonald, who I think is interesting because you don't know where he's going to play exactly. Cecilia Kana, which I don't think so. Warren Roberson, you know he's a safety, and they've got a need at safety for from backfield from a backfield perspective. Samaje Burrell, unlikely because both LaFowle and uh, Hill are already on campus. Gooseby is a, is a uh, wait-and-see project on all the line. Trey Wisner stepping in behind some other guys. Billy Walton. I, I, I don't see necessarily that he's ready physically. Uh, the one that I would say that might actually have a weird. I know chance, where you're going. Spencer Shannon. Yep. Spencer Shannon. And the reason why is because they have two tight ends, JT Sanders and uh, Gunnar Helm, that they clearly like. Uh, Helm has, has started to grow. Juan Davis isn't that third power tight end in a, yeah. in a tight end power look. Uh They'd more likely go with somebody like Byron Murphy at this point, coming off or or converting Neto or somebody like that. Um, so of all those guys, I actually would say Spencer Shannon, uh, just because of positional need right now. They don't have 
a ton of those. Ian, uh, Jerry, y'all have thoughts on that? Well, Sanborn, I don't know if he counts because he's coming. Oh, late yeah. Before, but he'll, he'll for sure. Um, I would say also McDonald, he might play early on special teams rather than just redshirting to figure out what he'll do. He could be a guy that they're like, this guy is a special teams weapon immediately. Uh, kind of depends on how he takes to that. But he's that, you know, versatile, big athlete that could be that could be in the mix there quickly. One thing with Shannon is that they already played so much of that big personnel last year with an extra offensive lineman. And so you wonder if they would rather keep, you know, Neto or Cam Williams or Ogbo um, engaged as a, as a jumbo tight end and playing Shannon as a freshman. Got it. Um, uh, I, I'm going to throw one out there. Um, not start or anything, but I think Derek Williams will contribute. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I, and the reason I say that is Sark mentions the guy's a potential first round pick, Michael Griffin, the same thing. They just don't say that very often about guys <laughs> publicly like a coach. So I'm going to say they got it. They're going to get him on the field to get him ready in some capacity. That's fair. I, I think he reminds me of Kyle Hamilton. He's awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, SG asked, who is backing up Jake Majors at center? Jerry, I'm going to let you take this one. Yeah, it's Hayden Connor right now. I mean, he's getting the backup reps uh, in, in the spring so far. Uh, it's Connor Robertson if he's healthy and the season starts tomorrow. He was the number two guy last year. Uh, he, technically, it, uh, on the depth chart, it was Logan Parr, I guess. But if there had been a major injury to uh, Majors, it was going to be uh, Connor Robertson unless they move Cole Hutz in the center. So um, I think it's Hayden Connor right now uh, for the spring, and it'll be Connor Robertson in August. All right. Fair enough. They like Connor. They like Connor Robertson. Hey, no chance DJ Campbell moves to center, right? No, they love him at guard. Right guard all the way. I was I was talking to somebody on the board about this. I guess because he's six two or whatever, people think center. But I mean, the guy doesn't even know who he's supposed to block yet, and the center's <laughs> supposed to tell other people who they're supposed to yeah. block. It's not happening anytime good soon. Again. All right, <laughs> Ian, staying staying with you right here from David Williams. What do you all think about Holmes being a better fit for what Coach Kwiatkowski might want to do regarding press coverage on the field size field side? UT doesn't have safeties with superior speed, though. Um, I mean, Holmes would be a great fit for what Gary Patterson wanted to do on the field side. Gary Patterson would, you know, he had like Travis Hodges Tomlinson playing press coverage to the field. It was kind of on an island. And it was like, you know, you're so far out there. If they if they do throw it, you have time. And uh, we're just going to make teams just not want to look out there. Holmes could do that as well, but I don't know that like Pete Kwiatkowski is not like huge on press coverage. He'll mix it in, but it, he's not like a, a devotee and Terry Joseph would play his field corner off a lot. So um, it'll be kind of interesting. I, I wonder if they let him play a lot of press or if they have him back off, if they really want him to play press, maybe they put him in the boundary where they do play more press. And then they put, uh, Brooks or Watts to the field. So um, there's, there's a lot of different variables there. As for speed, though, I, Texas is not slow at safety. They may not be like Earl Thomas freakish, but Jaron Thompson and, and Jalen Catalan are as fast as most of the safety, like most of the safety combinations that Patterson had at TCU. A lot of times it's more about the assignment and what those guys are able to process and how fast they're able to play. 
is what makes a difference when a guy looks fast at safety or not. Got it. I uh, want to say thank you again to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky. Are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you a business that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Uh, call him or email him today. He's got a really cool process. I did it myself. That's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net or 404-973-9901. Uh, Jerry, I want to go to you on this uh, question. Who should be the top priority for Texas in the 2024 recruiting class? Is there a top priority or is this a situation where they have a lot of needs and a lot of guys, you know, saying a top priority last year, I think it was clear Arch Manning was maybe a top priority, right? Yeah. Is there that same guy this year? There, There is. Um, it's Colin Simmons at Duncanville. Just because one of the top two or three edge prospects in the country is in the home state at Duncanville High School in DFW. Um, and it's going to be an SEC bloodbath. It's going to be Georgia, LSU, Texas, Bama, A&M. I mean, you name it, Florida. I mean, they're all in there. But look, top 10 kid in the country, uh, number one ranked edge player in America from Duncanville High School. The one position Texas has not really recruited that five-star guy. That mean guys aren't really talented they've got. But, you know, that one guy, uh, it's Colin Simmons. Uh, obviously, wide receiver, Micah Hudson on offense because – you know, Xavier Worthy's going to want to go pro. A.D. Mitchell will want to go pro. Jordan Whittington's gone. I mean, so there's an opportunity and a need there. Uh, and Micah Hudson's a five-star wide receiver prospect from Central Texas. So if those are the two guys that I would label as must-gets, um, and there's a lot that goes in the must-get recruits, but those are them. All right. That, that makes sense to me. Um, all right. Let's go uh, and talk uh, some other stuff uh, here right now. Uh, Ian, uh, I'm, I'm thinking uh, as we go through this list of questions and, and whatnot that, that we're getting uh, interest from uh, people, uh, it seems to me that the secondary and people are having an issue understanding boundary and safety a little bit. Okay. Ex excuse not safety, boundary and field. Explain like in layman's terms in one minute, the difference between a boundary corner and a field corner so most of the time in college football the ball is lined up to be snapped on the hash marks which are the dotted lines that go across the middle of the field when the ball is snapped on a hash mark the hash marks are wide apart in college so one side of the formation has tons and tons of open grass and the other side of the formation has a lot less it's just the just the hash mark to the boundary, whereas the other side is the hash mark to the other hash mark and then to the sideline. So a lot of teams, including Texas, will be intentional about which defensive backs play to the wide side of the field and which defensive backs play to the short side of the field. In the short side of the field, everything is closer. You're more likely to have to get in the box and make a tackle. You're more likely to have to press up on a receiver because it's a shorter throw for the quarterback. Whereas to the wide side of the field, you need to be able to cover routes in space. You need to be able to cover ground if you're going to make a tackle on a screen or what have you. So um, Texas Texas will choose their – last year they chose their corners. They played big Ryan Watts in the boundary. They played little Deshaun Jameson to the field. They played bigger, tough Jaron Thompson in the boundary. They played smaller cornerback convert Anthony Cook to the field. And that gives you, I think, a pretty decent idea of how that 
the father of his breakdowns work. Um, you, if you're a really good defensive back, you should be able to play in multiple positions, but they tend to optimize. And so that's what, that's what we're talking about. That's the difference between, you know, who ends up where is it's mostly about, can you handle playing near the action and can you plan handle playing in space? I got to I got to answer this one, Bobby, what franchise do you own? I don't own any franchises currently. I'm an investor in on three uh, as well as some other uh, uh, online uh, investments like in, like inside Texas as well. Uh, but I used to own a barbecue restaurant as well as a side deal. Uh, and so it was a Texas barbecue restaurant. Uh, so we served, served brisket. I owned that until December of this past year when I, I divested and uh, put more focus uh, on, on Texas football, inside Texas, uh, as well as on three as well. Uh, just give you guys a, a heads up. I'm a, a big fan of uh, brisket uh, if you ever get a chance uh, to, to uh, come to Nashville and have a little with me. All right, hold on one second. I've got a couple more questions. We're going to be a little bit early today leaving, uh, but I do want to get these questions first. All right. Taking it a little bit more out there uh, with your discussion there, Ian, about field and uh, field and uh, boundary. Uh, against run first or big wideout teams, do you go with Terrence Brooks and uh, Ryan Watts? Or do you – and then past teams, do you go with Brooks and – Holmes, is that is that a fair question or is that a tough question? It kind of depends on the experience level of your secondary. Uh, most teams will focus on let's get our best, most versatile, experienced lineup out there, and then let them play every week so that they can make adjustments and communicate well with each other. So you don't got receivers running free, right? It takes an experienced, solid team to be able to mix and match. Like this week you're going to play here. This week you're this week you're going to be on the bench. You just have to de- you have to deal with college egos. You got to deal with cohesion. You got to deal with. But Texas has done things like that in the past. If people remember 2014 with Charlie Strong, Quandre Diggs played like a couple different positions. They move him and Michael Thompson around based on who the better matchup was against a given receiver. So Texas could theoretically do that if Watts and Brooks and uh, Holmes are all clear starting level players and they want to get them all on the field. But usually you just, you just pick your starters and then you, you adjust your scheme. You don't adjust your personnel. Jerry, um, I want you to get some scores ready uh, for us uh, for basketball scores while I ask Ian this question. Uh, <laughs> Ian, thank you for, from writer's ring. Thank you for the field boundary safety explanation. Can you do the same with Buck and Jack? Yep. Defensive end uh, edge guys. So it's actually this similar. The jack aligns to the field and the buck aligns to the short side. The difference is that instead of being about playing in space, if you're the jack and you're aligned to the, to the wide side of the field, the most important thing is that you're really good against the run and you don't give up a soft edge where they can run the ball outside and then the running back is in wide open space turning his shoulders upfield and all your small defensive backs have got to tackle him. They don't want to do that. They're not going to be that good at it. So the jack is more of a run-stopping position. The buck to the short side of the field is more of your weak side pass rusher. He's more likely to drop back into coverage. And uh, because there's less space to cover, it's easier for a defensive end kind of guy to drop and cover. because He doesn't get 
stuck out in no man's land trying to run with a slot receiver in wide open space. So the buck, the, the circumstances and the context are the same, but the assignments are kind of flipped from on the back end. All right. Hey, Jerry, uh, any updates on scores? Xavier 68, Kennesaw State 67, Kennesaw State ball, 12 seconds left, called timeout. Uh, so Kennesaw State's going to get a ch- uh, shot for the 314 upset. Uh, Baylor's up five on UC Santa Barbara 13 minutes ago in the second half. Obviously, uh, uh, after 30 minutes after the uh, Xavier game ends, Iowa State-Pittsburgh in the other half of – or in that other pod, uh, half of that pod there, six Iowa State, 11 Pittsburgh. Obviously, Texas split with Iowa State home games this year. And at 150, our old friend Shaka Smart takes on 15-seed Vermont. So if you like Shaka or not, uh, you'd be cheering for a 215 upset or a Shaka win, depending on where you come out on that. <laughs> hey, uh, well, let's be clear. Uh, everybody's going to be cheering tomorrow at 645. Uh, it, is, it is on the CBS main yes. channel. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's the big game of the night. 645, Texas takes on uh, Penn State, a resurgent Penn State team. Uh, that got into the Big Ten finals uh, against and then lost. I think uh, who did they lose to there? Purdue is that right, Jerry? Yeah, Purdue in the Big Ten finals, 67-65. They were in it the whole time. Yeah, so uh, this is going to be an interesting uh, matchup for the Longhorns tomorrow, six forty-five on CBS. All right, that's going to be. It. Way, we need a tit on this. I mean, is it the biggest game of Rodney Terry's career? Right. <laughs> I, I'll let you answer this. There it is. McWaters wants to know. We'll close with this. Why haven't the powers that be given Rodney Terry the full-time gig? And I think it's because he's got to prove he can win a game like tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's pretty simple in this uh, as far as de- defining it this way. Guys are interested in the Texas job. Some of them are pretty good coaches. Um, Rodney Terry needs to uh, take the uh, – um, take the decision out of Texas' hands and get to the Sweet 16 combined with the Big 12 Tournament Championship and uh, the job, he, he earned the job because, I mean, it's not that, I just don't think it's that simple. There's some couple of names that are really interested in the job. None of the pro guys that have been rumored, no Billy Donovan's, none of that crap. But there's a couple of college guys that are very interested in the job. They have quality resumes. Rodney needs to go take it and uh, take the job. All right. All right, uh, for Jerry Hamilton uh, and Ian Boyd, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been this week's edition of the Longhorn Livestream on Friday afternoon. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, Andy Ludicky of uh, uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net and also from LastStandHats.com. Remember, go to LastStandHats.com and use the promo code BOBBY10 to get 10% off all you need. All right, for Ian and Jerry, I'm Bobby. Uh, thanks for joining us, and you guys enjoy the game tomorrow. Uh, It should be a good one. Longhorns uh, taking on Penn State, 645. Take care.